Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the DFS Roundup. I'm the Siege. You can find me here on Rotor Grinders whenever I'm on the schedule. Hopefully, you regulars get that joke. Uh, no Alex this week. Uh, Alex uh, just had a uh, his family had a nice baby boy this morning. All is well. But apparently, at Rotor Grinders, we give you the day off for that kind of nonsense. So, uh, coming out of the bullpen on short notice, it's my boy Grant. What's going on, buddy? Uh, not too much. Woke up at noon. Got a text from you, or 11. Got a text from you. Now. All right. Yeah, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just like, I, you know, waking up, you wake up, you're just like, actually, yeah, let's just, it'll be some fun for an hour. So uh, if you're new to the show, uh, welcome. Uh, we What we do is we, I, uh, well, by me, I mean Alex, uh, well, goes through all the uh, shows and takes out the six hottest takes or the takes he thinks he wants to discuss on air the most. And then uh, we, we debate them. And then uh, that normally leaves us about 10, 15 minutes at the end of the show to just talk randomly about the slate places we want to go. Uh, so, uh, Grant, before you get started, though, how are you feeling about this? Like, confident, not confident? I, I just – the problem – I love the spots that I love. The problem is I'm having trouble making that many lineups. So, initially, at the beginning of the week, my thought process was this is a one-lineup week, and now I'm probably going to end up with six or seven uh, and just kind of diversify on different sites here because there's a lot of difference in between the three major sites or major-ish sites, whatever they're called. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love so many spots this week, and I'm starting to realize some of the people aren't on them as heavily as I am. So I, I think it was a pretty, pretty decent week. Just build a core and then change your all your plays outside of the core in different lineups. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to like eat the chalk at like the top three or four. And then after that, like when I was looking at projected ownership, like five through 20, I was just like, I have interest in none of these guys. So I, I'm with you. I think I'm going to be eating some major chalk this week, but I'm going to be pivoting in those other spots. Uh, but we'll talk about all those uh, here. But let's get started with the absolutely epic early pod, which Grant, Bobby, and Jam the winner on. And uh, Grant and Bobby uh, getting at it for some value tight ends this week. So let's watch. Uh, he has another weapon that I don't think people will really be on this week in Seals Jones, who's getting five to six targets a week. And going against Tennessee, they force a lot of targets to opposing tight ends. And he's a great red zone threat for him, and he's someone that Gabbert has kind of relied on the past three weeks. He has three touchdowns 
he's my top overall tight end on just the Sunday slate at this moment. So because of that, if I'm not using Kaiser in a lineup, then Gabbert's going to be one of the main guys. He's your top tight end. That's yep. for real. Your uh, top point tight per end. Dollar. Your top tight end is not Steven Anderson. Point per dollar. No. I want to understand because I would love to have a conversation about why Steven Anderson is not just the autoist of auto plays, the fastest. I mean, I had Fedorovich and everything, so maybe I'm a little biased, and I feel like he got taken away a little bit of that usage. I had Fedorovich like everywhere on Sunday. That's partly what hurt me. Um, so, who do you Steve- think's more talented, uh, Steven Anderson or Seals Jones? I probably Steven, Anderson. Steven Anderson. Um, Steven who's in a much, much better matchup? Steven Anderson. Well, no, not matchup. Steven Anderson's in a better situation because of the quarterback he's got. Let me ask back. you a question. Who did, Savage, who, who did Steven Anderson play last week? What is that? Why is that the the, the reigning factor over this? Just, I'm not just I'm not just basing it off this last week. I'm basing the reason I played Fedorovich was for the same thing, not just because. No, this is Tennessee very applicable here because know, who did he play last week? Tennessee, 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 Tennessee. And who is who is Seal Jones playing this week? He's. Tennessee, I understand. This is a, I agree that Tennessee is a good team to target against, but this is also a great spot to target in general. And, yes, it's not the place you want to attack San Francisco in, for the most part, but a quarterback who looks at that, that tight end that often, Steven Anderson played like four snaps the other week and had three, three uh, targets in the end zone. Like, this guy is just an absolute end zone machine. He's the only thing that's going to stop Hopkins from having a monster game. And actually, I like both of them together. So I think Steven Anderson. Play them both together. There we go. We got there an agreement. Go. So. <laughs> Well, 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 well. The good news is normally we just get to make fun of the guys. We don't, they don't actually get to defend themselves. So, uh, Grant, um, the floor is yours for Ricky Seals-Jones over Steven Anderson. Um, Steven Anderson may have gotten a ton of targets this last week, but guess what? Will Fuller is back in the lineup. Uh, there's a lot of different situations where in this matchup he doesn't end up getting nearly the volume he has before he hasn't had that high of a catch rate throughout the course of the season so there's he and Andy's going to be chalking I, I haven't looked at Jamino's ownership but I'm guessing he's like what 25 30 percent something like yeah, that prior to DK that sounds about right yeah so uh just pivoting off of him and hoping that he only ends up with what six seven targets and he gets two three catches there's a lot of different ways where he doesn't end up paying off nearly as much as he should Seals Jones is 200 more, and while he's only getting about a 25% snap rate last week, I think it was 20 the week before, uh, he is getting – I think he's going to be more involved in the offense. I mean, he was a wide receiver in college, and now he's switching over to tight end. He's starting to get a bigger grasp on it. And John Brown's going to be out. J.J. Nelson may be out, meaning they're going to need a whole lot more receiving targets. So I could see him potentially getting a lot more involved in the passing game, and he's already one of the biggest red zone threats they had on that team. So all he really needs to do to justify his price and his throwing him in there instead of what's his name is get a touchdown, which he's had three in the last two weeks and he's or two, three in the last three weeks. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he drastically pays off value, even only getting 15 to 20 snaps. Yeah. Well, sorry. I can't play a tight end. if only going to get 15 to 20 snaps. Like Steven Anderson's the player. Yeah. Will Fuller is back. So congratulations. They now have two wide receivers and or two and a half. You include Steven Anderson, like Andre Elliott still playing the slot. That's how desperate they are. Steven Anderson's a converted wide receiver. They could easily have him run routes in the slot, kind of a tight end flexed out kind of spot, like a Rod Gronkowski. Um, you know, this is a better matchup for him. The 49ers pass defense is awful. They're going to run more plays. He's going to play a lot more snaps. He's also a converted wide receiver from college. He's got good hands. For me, this is a no brainer. Uh, I, I think Steven Anderson is clearly the better play this week. And I think depending on like how much Trey Burton love there is, 
and I'm already starting to see it. Like Anderson might not be as high on as you think. I think people might go to Trey Burton, which I think personally is like the weakest of these three options. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with you, but also on top of that, uh, what's his name gets a matchup against the Niners that have actually kept tight ends in check throughout the season. That, and, but that's, uh, that's a misnomer. That was when Jimmy Ward was there. He's hurt. That's a problem. Like they were really good against the tight ends the first half of the year. And since like, the last few weeks, they've just been awful. Yeah, but still, I mean, the Titans have been giving up a whole bunch of targets. I think they're one that tight ends are targeted more against them than 27, 28 of the other teams. Um, and they're just average at defending them. A lot of their defense focuses targets to the tight end. So, I mean, there's just a lot. Everything's going in uh, Seals-Jones' favor in, in a matchup scenario. Um, just obviously the volume's not there as much. I'm just hoping he gets a red zone touch or two, and hopefully he gets into the end zone twice. Yeah, um, so I, I get it, but the snap cutout for me is just too small. But, like, so, like, you really would play, like, Ricky Seals-Jones, let's say, over, like, Cameron Brate. You know, Mike Evans is going to have shadow coverage with Darius Slay, and we know that Brate's a big red zone threat. You'd rather play R.I.S.J. than someone like Brate? Um, I mean, I think he's going to come in at lower ownership, but I'm starting to get more and more off of it just the way that – like, I don't really need to pay down a tight end. I'm having enough trouble spending all my salary anyways. I'll have some exposure to him just to get a completely off-the-board lineup, considering if you don't take Geo, then you're pretty much an off-the-board lineup, Geo or Mike Davis. Um, yeah, there's a – I mean, I'd rather go with Hunter Henry, I think, at this moment. And I started to get a lot more on ASJ, considering he's only 200 more than Ricky Seals-Jones. But I'll still have some Seals-Jones in here. It's mostly one that I'm just going to pair with Gabbert because a lot of his value is going to be predicated on the fact that he's going to get some touchdowns. And Seals Jones is obviously one of the biggest touchdown threats in that entire offense. So they're going to have a highly correlated effect once they get to the red zone. Yeah, we'll, we'll save Blaine Gabbert talk for, uh, for yeah. Blaine Gabbert's sec- section of the show. So uh, I think we've discussed the value tight ends enough. Let's move on to the DFS pick six, which is uh, Evan Silva, uh, Rich Rebar, and of course, actually it was Dean this week uh, filling in for Eric Crane. And uh, Evan Silva pitched uh, a really chalky wide receiver that I just don't think you can fade. Uh, yeah, Silva, the first game I saw was Green Bay Cleveland. And again, I just mm-hmm. saw this 20 minutes ago, just aware of it. I'm like, Green Bay Cleveland? Oh, yeah, it's Josh Gordon week, right, Evan? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we not play this dude? That, that's why you guys want to talk about him, right? Yes, uh, I think that he, <laughs> I mean, you know, he comes back for 11 targets, looks great, you know, looks great on the field. Kaiser missed him for, you know, some some chunk yardage gains. Uh, but, I mean, he was winning against Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward, who is uh, pro football focused, number one overall cornerback on the year, you know, has been shadowing number ones all season, has been, you know, routinely shutting them down. Uh, he said that Josh Gordon was uh, the toughest matchup that he's faced all season long. I mean, he jumped right back in, played 76% of the snaps, dominated targets, dominated air yards. Um, you know, I, at his price, I think he's still underpriced, you know, for his talent level and for his opportunity. So Evan Silva pitching Josh Gordon, a Browns wide receiver in the cold 15 to 20 mile an hour winds. It's Deshaun Kaiser. Who's not accurate as it is. Maybe the wind will actually get his balls to become accurate. Um, Grant, look, as much as I was just kidding in the, in the intro to this, like you have to play Josh Gordon this week, right? Like just lock and load. 
Yeah, he. I, if he would have been 8K, if he would have been priced right around Keenan Allen and Hopkins, I'd still have a very, very large amount of exposure to him. He's one of the most talented guys in the league. He's going to get 10-plus targets in this matchup. Casey Hayward going against him last week. I already mentioned it. That this was his toughest matchup of the year. The guy hasn't missed a step. And he's playing with a quarterback that's playing for his job. Maybe. I don't know. They're probably not going to keep him. Who knows? But in any case, like both these guys are playing for their futures. So why wouldn't they throw the ball to Josh Gordon a lot? And he can do a bunch once he actually gets it. I mean, when he was back in the league, he was mostly based off of being an incredibly high-volume target guy and doing as much as he could with it. This is going to be no different. In 5,500, you're essentially getting it near he's, – he's honestly, in terms of talent, up there with Julio Jones, OBJ, and Antonio Brown just slightly below them. And so I, everything points towards this being a just absolute smash spot going up against Green Bay that's terrible in the secondary. Yeah, you would suspect Green Bay's playing from in front. Cleveland would have to throw from behind. Like, I'm hoping the 15 to 20 mile an hour wins scare people off. Because, like, that might scare me off if he was, like, 8K. But he's not, it's not scaring me off at 6,700 on FanDuel or, like, 5,500 or wherever the hell he is on DraftKings. Whatever absurd price he is, like, I just I might build a single lineup without Josh Gordon just to have a non-Josh Gordon lineup just for shits and giggles and knowing full well that it's not optimal because like this play is just so good. Um, yeah, it, you know, like if he was eight K, I probably he'd probably be in my core. Like it's just as you it's just hard to like not imagine. Like he had eleven targets against Casey Hayward and he went four for eighty five. And I went back and watched that tape. That is some of the best defensive back play I have seen in a long time. Like, Casey Hayward showed up to play. Even, like, good corners would have gotten – you know, that would have been six for 140 in a touchdown. And if he had done that last week, I mean, he would be 15,000% old this week. So, I, I think that Josh Gordon, like, hop on now because, like, next week he's going to be, like, 8K. So, don't miss out. Is there anything else you really want to talk about, Josh Gordon? You want to talk about the other side? Are you going to run it back a little bit with, like, any Green Bay guys? Like, how are you going to handle that? Or is it just straight Josh Gordon? Um, I mean, I'm going to run it with Kaiser a whole lot, which I'm a crazy person, apparently. I've been saying that all week, and I'm still sticking with it. I, I see a lot of scenarios where he ends up just smashing in the spot, considering that he can run the ball like with everything going for him in this matchup at 4,900, and with him being a pivot off of one of the chalkier guys that we'll get to later. I think he's a great call. But uh, with the win, Jamal Williams on the other side, he's been heavily involved in recent weeks. I mean, Aaron Jones does scare me a little bit. Cleveland's run D scares me a little bit. But one thing that people often overlook is they're one of the worst teams in the league against receiving running backs. Uh, they give up a very, very high percentage of targets to opposing running backs. I think uh, opposing wide receivers get less than 50% of the total targets in opposing offenses going against Cleveland. So I know that they're going to be just doing a whole lot of, with that wind, a whole lot of dump-offs. And I think Jamal Williams is going to be one of the main beneficiaries. I mean, I'm fine with throwing in Jones, too, if they're coming from behind. Either one of them could get a massive workload. But if you're going to assume that they're going to put up a lot of points in that, I'll have Kaiser, Coleman, and Gordon all in a single line. I'm going to run back with Williams. Interesting. I, I'm actually willing to run it back with a Green Bay wide receiver. I'm, re I'm, willing, I'm willing to run it back with Jordy. Um, you know, Devontae Adams is going to get Jason McCourty's shadow coverage here. And, like, they're going to have to just dump it off short, short patterns. You know, it even could be Randall Cobb, I guess, but like just short patterns, you know, a lot of receptions, high floor. These guys are both under 4,500 this week. I, I think that Green Bay is going to have to throw the football here. I just don't think they're going to be able to run. 
Could it be Jamal Williams getting 10 to 12 targets? I'm sure. Sure. Totally possible. But it also could be those cheap receivers that everyone has just ignored uh, because, you know, Devonta Adams has been the guy. But in this situation, it's kind of a funnel pass defense here. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to running it back with a wide receiver here for the Packers. Any interest in those guys or is it just Jamal for you? Um, I think out of anyone, I'd run with Randall Cobb out of the slot. Uh, again, Cleveland will force the ball a lot over the middle and kind of shut down the outsides. And so Cobb, obviously with his big playability, obviously with a lot of different ways that this could play out, even with the win, I think that Cobb could be in for a big game um, at 4K. It's just way too cheap. The problem is there's certain guys, there's other guys around that price range that I'd rather go with, like Inman or D.D. Westbrook or even – Will Fuller, possibly. Uh, so that's the only real argument I have against playing Cobb or running back on the other side. But if you want to do a corollary play, Cobb's the way I'm going to go. I'm not going with Williams. All right. Awesome. I think we've covered that game pretty well. So uh, let's slow it over to our third clip here. This one Why are they comes... talking about my eyebrows? I don't know. Man. I don't know. And uh, am I wearing a do-rag? No, I'm not wearing a do-rag. This is all confusing. I don't know. Chat's having a, a weird day today. I, I, I'm guessing some player in the NBA busted like in the early game. They played the early slate and they're all tilted. That's what I'm guessing. Chat's going to be a lot nicer than on this show. It's the weekend. They're not working. They're normally much nicer. Let's slide over to the third take here from the pro football focus. Uh, Tyler Beaker, uh, as Brett Devine, and um, Scott Barrett. Scott Barrett, we're giving you a week off, buddy. He, he's been a featured on this show, but uh, we're going to go with his co-host this week with uh, – Tyler, uh, saying that uh, Alex's boy, Blaine Gabbert, is a lock and load this week. Let's hear why. I can't believe I wrote this guy up earlier this week. I talked about him on the premium cash show we do for subscribers uh, on DraftKings a little bit. He didn't make the final lineup because I had two other people, and we all kind of worked together to make a lineup. Uh, but I love Blaine Gabbert. Uh, you see this against Tennessee. He's at home. Uh, looks like the passing game is going to be in full force here. Yeah, I think he's a tremendous cash game option there, so I'm not surprised that all you guys landed on him. Just love this matchup here against the Titans. They're the worst 8-14 and 14 that I can remember. Mm -hmm. They just allowed over 20 fantasy points to Tom Savage last week. I'm wait, 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 wait. 20, 20 fantasy points, Tom Savage. Yes, yes. That's, so no, this doesn't compute. Gavert. Doesn't compute. <laughs> There's no reason we shouldn't be uh, fading Gabbert. I think it's going to be a cakewalk here. He's priced at just 4.8K on DraftKings. If he were to hit 20 points, easily crushing that 3x value we aim for for cash game guys uh, and his three starts since taking over Gabbert has thrown for six total touchdowns he's averaging 17.7 fantasy points for outing he also has his best receiver Larry Fitzgerald and a plus matchup here in the slot Logan Ryan's uh, apparently suffering a concussion questionable for this one just makes an even better matchup for Gabbert no defense has allowed more pass completions than the Titans this season they also rank top 10 in most passing yards and top 10 in most passing touchdowns allowed Gabbert's a lock and load play here for me in cash games. Yeah, I, I'm just not a Blaine Gabbert person. I've never been a Blaine Gabbert person, at least in this offense. Like, if he was playing on, like, the Jaguars, like the old days, in this new Jaguars offense, I'd have a lot more Blaine Gabbert interest. He just would be spreading the ball around to all the different guys, and I would want the quarterback exposure to get exposure to all of them. But in this offense, like, he just throws the ball to Larry Fitzgerald every freaking time. It's like, why am I going to take a quarterback slot to – when I can just play Larry Fitzgerald and get like 70% of the Arizona offensive ex exposure, like Grant's like, I know you like Kaiser, but where's Blaine Gabbert for you? Because Gabbert to me is behind like Kaiser and a couple other guys. Uh, he's second for me right behind Kaiser because 
Man, I just love Kaiser, but I mean, he's done fairly well against tough matchups over the last two weeks. Um, I mean, he had the Rams and Jacksonville, two of the top three defenses for DVOA. And this week he gets Tennessee, who's just been slaughtered by number one wide receivers throughout the course of the entire season. They're not a great pass defense. I think they rank, what, 25th, 26th? I'm not really sure off the top of my head. But this is a spot where he could crush. He's a guy that can actually do stuff with his legs. Fun fact, I think he had the same 40 times Cam Newton when they came out of the state draft. Um, and he he has a few weapons. Look at Seals Jones, who is responsible for half of his touchdowns this year. Fun fact for you. So, I mean, because I'm on Seals Jones, because he's 4,800, because he can do a little bit with his legs, although he hasn't done too much yet. And the fact that this is his best matchup that he's had since he started starting. This was a team that, I mean, in the past we've seen him with Palmer, who's probably just as good, put up 50 passes in a game. Now there's a type of matchup where that could happen again. I can see a whole lot of different scenarios where he goes off, Fitzgerald goes off, and Seals Jones goes off. I just, man, I, I just can't quite get there. I just don't trust Arizona. I just don't trust the Arizona coaching staff. You know, like last week, it's like, oh, hey, DJ Foster's going to get all the work or most of the work and then gets none of the work. Like, I just don't trust – this coaching staff, they're out of contention. Like, are they going to just start doing weird things? I just, for me, I'd rather play Kaiser. I would much rather play Jimmy Garoppolo at, at seven, at seven K on FanDuel. Like I, I think Jimmy G is like the best player of the week. I mean, like he threw the ball so well last week, over 40 pass attempts, you know, and like, it, especially on DraftKings, like he threw for 293 and went like 0 for five in the red zone. So for me, it's a situation like, okay, so now I'm going to get Jimmy G in a spot where he's going to be able to get the bonus on DraftKings, and he's probably not going to go 0 for 5 in the red zone again because the Bears are a much harder pass defense than the Titans, the Texans are. Or Texans, yeah. Texans, Titans, they're all bad. That whole division's bad against the pass. I just think this is a really good Jimmy G spot, and like, I don't know who he's going to throw it to. He could throw it to Hyde, Goodwin, Trent Taylor, Lewis Murphy, Selleck, or Selleck, Kittle. Like, for me, it's just like I'd much rather play Jimmy G and just get exposure to the 49ers passing attack that way over Blaine Gabbard. Like, where are you at on Jimmy G versus Gabbard? Uh, he's behind Gabbard, but not too far behind. I mean, this is a game that I'm kind of seeing as a shootout. One of my buddies who bets just straight up on sports line said that's pretty much the lock of the week that that game's going to go over. I know it's going to be just a little bit popular, and – if I'm going with Garoppolo, I think the main person I'm going to go with is Trent Taylor's not going to be nearly as high owned as Goodwin, who's actually, I think, playing better. Um, and then I'm going to go with a tight end, either Kittle or Selleck, because Houston's one of the worst teams in the league at giving up a large amount of volume to opposing tight ends. So I'm not really sure. I still need to look into it a little bit more today to figure out which one I want to go with. I think I'm leaning slightly towards Selleck, but not by much. Uh, but either one of them are fine play. And, yeah, just get, like, Garoppolo, he's, he's 5500 You can't really argue against using paying up $600, $700 more for him, considering that salary is really not a huge thing this week. So uh, he's got a much more stackable game than probably Gabbert, considering the prices of everyone else. If you want to do a different lineup, use Garoppolo and two cheap guys, Taylor and Selleck, then you can really spend up and have a complete – and avoid Geo and have a completely different lineup. Do you think you have to stack Jimmy G? I mean, not really. I don't, I'm, I'm more towards 
not having to stack them on any given or not having to stack quarterbacks as much as the other person. Like, I think that's getting used way too much. And unless there's a surefire spot where they're 100% dependent on each other, kind of like Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, they're almost always heavily correlated with each other. Then there's not really a need to go on it. But this is kind of a spot where there's cheap guys. And so if you, it's all about making pivots. Can you pivot off of any of his wide receivers onto someone else around the same price who has a very good shot at uh, outscoring him, even if Garoppolo goes off? And I think that's the answer. Uh, yeah, I think the answer is firmly yes. I, I like to stack when I think a, a receiver has two touchdown upside. Like, so, like, the first touchdown normally isn't going to burn you. It's like when the guy gets you the second touchdown, like, crap, like, you know, you got to have the stack. You know, do I, I, I like, I, I like Trent Taylor, but does he really, does he really have like a, like a high probability of two touchdowns. And when I say high probability, I'm talking like 10%. I don't think so. I don't think it's that high, you know, Selleck, no Kittle, no Goodwin. Yeah. I could see Goodwin going for two deep bombs. So like I'll stack it with Goodwin, but I like my favorite Jimmy G stack is actually like Deandre Hopkins on the other side and just be like, okay, if this game shoots out, you know, and Jimmy G spreading the ball around, I know full well that Tom Savage is probably not going to spread the ball around. It's probably going all to, you know, DeAndre, Steven Anderson, and maybe some Will Fuller. But, like, I just – I love to stack, like, on the opposite side because, like, one guy is a target hog and one guy spreads the ball around. And I don't think anyone's just going to do that. So, that's one of my favorite correlations of the week. And it, I think it's going to go – I think people are just going to either game stack it or just – I think the 49ers receivers are going to go over-owned with Jimmy G. I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, one big case to make against not needing to stack with Goodwin, if you are worried about that two-touchdown upside, Shepard, if he plays, is 200 more. Then you have Baldwin in a tough matchup that could go off for two touchdowns, 200 more. Uh, Lee against that banged-up Seattle secondary. Josh Gordon, obviously, 400 more. Sammy Watkins, who we'll get to later. T.Y. Hilton, Diggs, Dez. Like, all these guys could easily outscore him, even on a good day on his part, so... You're not going to be crushed if you go with one of these other guys instead of him. Yeah, that tier is absolutely loaded. And we're going to talk about – we have a couple of segments, but I know we're going to talk about Seattle at the end. We're going to have time. We're going to talk about Seattle because we were talking about it off air, and I think we kind of have a similar take. And I thought, I don't think I've heard anyone make the take yet. So, But we have three more takes to get there first before I make, I guess, what will be my hot take. Um, it's the Swolecast uh, Friday evening's uh, must-watch show with uh, – uh, soccer Dave and Mr. Tuttle and Silva and Maddock and Sammy Reed hops on sometimes. And it, it's a, it's a nice thing to watch on the car. Normally I listen to it on the car on the way out to a game or whatever I'm doing on Friday night, but it's a great show. Uh, Davis Maddock actually talking about a wide receiver that you just mentioned as a possible sleeper tournament play this week. And I kind of get it. He's got a, uh, according to the RG ownership tool, it's A.J. Green, 25%. Tyree Kill, 22.5%. DeAndre Hopkins, 35%. And then Keen Allen is do you guys, down do you guys to 20%. Want a ninth-level take, a grandmaster-level take? Oh, sure. Sammy Watkins will be matched up primarily with his old teammate who was involved in the trade that uh, got him sent to Los Angeles. Uh, uh, I don't actually know how to pronounce his first name, but Darby. Uh, Ronald, he, Ronald. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. a tough one. Well, I didn't, Ronald, I didn't know. Hard. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, no, that, that guy, Ronald McDonald. <laughs> um, 
and he has he has the size advantage over Darby. He's got the speed advantage over Darby. Uh, like it just physically, it grades out as a positive matchup. Watkins has seen more targets since Woods has been out, and like you guys know, it pains me to do this, but I like legitimately think that this is like a seven percent ownership spot for a guy who like, I mean, Watkins can do it. Like in golf, I, I'm a believer. I, I I will be playing Watkins in some tournaments, and you guys know I don't like to do that. So, Davis Maddock talking about Sammy Watkins as an interesting tournament take. Now, I'm not sure if he was aware or not that Robert Woods had been upgraded to questionable for this game. He was not ruled out as expected on Friday. He got upgraded to questionable and practiced uh, in a limited fashion on Friday, which is, which is a step in the right direction. I don't think I can play Sammy Watkins if Robert Woods goes, or even if, for that matter, if I don't know if he's going to go. But let's just say he's out. What's your interest level on Sammy Watkins here against the Philly secondary grant? I mean, the problem is that there is a whole bunch of other people that are in that same price range that have a lot of interest in. I can't really just throw five of them in there. It's not really possible. Um, But he is a guy with a huge amount of upside on any given slate. I mean, we've seen him already have a 30-point game this year. We've seen him have 30-point games in prior season all the time. He's a big, big ceiling guy and a generally low floor, although he's been getting enough targets lately. He seems to have a solidified spot in that offense if Woods isn't in play. Uh, the problem is just, again, everyone else near it. I'm not going to argue with taking him in GBPs. Like, there's no real argument to make against him other than the fact that he can fall flat, but that's any GPP play. It's, he has a huge ceiling. So I have a moderate amount of interest in him, but, again, I'm more interested in Josh Gordon, Marquise Lee, Des Bryant, and Diggs all in the same tier. Yeah, I, that's kind of where I'm at on Sammy Watkins. And I think Robert Woods might play. I thought it was a really weird upgrade in a game that matters for them, like, you know, for, for seeding purposes for the playoffs. I thought it was really weird that he got the upgrade when they were like, oh, he's going to be out for three weeks, and then he randomly gets the upgrade on Friday. I, I think he's going to go. And if he goes, there's just no way I can play Sammy Watkins. Like, is Robert mm-hmm. Woods even in the player pool, I might add? Like, is he even in the player pool? I didn't look for him. That's because, like, I, this was just news that obviously came out super late on yeah, Saturday. He's in the player pool. What's his price? Kind of curious now. He 6K. is – 6K. Oh, I can't pay 6K for Robert Woods. Nope. All right. Well, that well, thought was uh, short-lived. Um, yeah, I, I love the Rams, though, in general this week. I, I, I've been on record as saying that I think the Rams win this game by 20-plus points. Um, I, I think this is a really bad spot for the Eagles. I normally do like when those teams stay out west for that week of team bonding, but like I just believe in Sean McVay, the coach. Like This is a big big game. I don't think his team's going to come out flat. Um and I just like the matchup for the Eagle or for the, the Rams more like they can get whatever they want on the ground. They can get whatever they want through the air. And then on defense, like they, the deep, like Philly offense did not look good last week in Seattle. And that defense has been ravaged. And the, the Rams defense has been getting better and better as the season goes on. Like, I really don't like this spot. So like, what's your interest level in like Todd Gurley, uh, Jared Goff, Rams defense? Like, where are you at on this game in general? I guess. I mean, Goff is – the problem is I can't find anyone to pair with Goff. The only time I've really been playing this week is over on draft just because that format allows me to take him as the last quarterback that still has some upside. Uh, Gurley, he's my second favorite top price running back to pay up for this week um, just because I know the volume is going to be there. There's a lot of – lot of. I'm guessing that they're going to be ahead late in the game. I'm guessing they're going to be running with Gurley late in the game. He'll get a lot of – uh, passes and a lot of targets. So, I mean, just be strictly on volume. I think that he's going to be one of the 
Well, the, probably the second top scoring running back this week would be my guess. Who's um, number one? Now you got me curious. McCoy. So you would would you pay more for McCoy than Gurley? Yes. God, I was on the McCoy train earlier this week. I know this is now a pivot. Uh, God, I was on that train early in the week, but like I just can't get there. Like with both the backups back, like his 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 share has been so low. Like you're not worried about it. No, I'm not worried about it. Look at the last four games. Four, three of them have been complete and total blowouts. This is a spot where he's going to return to getting 20-plus touches and a lot of targets. I mean, look at his targets in the backfield, five, four, one, and five in the last four weeks. Before that, and then one the week before. Before that, it was seven, seven, nine, three, seven. Like, he's going to get targeted a lot. It's really going to raise his floor. And the fact that they're probably going to be ahead in this game would be my guess. And have we gotten news on Taylor yet? I actually haven't looked today. Uh, it doesn't look good. We, yeah, don't have so final, we, don't, we don't have we don't have final word. Yeah, if once his nuts, Peterman is going to be playing, then they're going to rely on McCoy even more. He's going to be dumping off the ball, doing a whole lot. Everything kind of points to McCoy having a good game. And this is his second lowest price of the entire season against an indie D that's not that great. I mean, they're a little bit better against the run, but just everything kind of points to him being the guy. And I don't think he's going to come into that high of ownership. Yeah, I like him on DraftKings at 72. I, I definitely like him there. It's where he's 9K over on FanDuel that I just keep staring at. And with that, you know, $1 million tur- – or the $4 million, $1 million the first tournament over there, the 250, which, by the way, is filling fast. If you want to get in there, now's your chance to get in there. Um, I just, most of my volume this week is going to be on FanDuel. And it's just like, can I really pay 9K for, for McCoy? It's just – oh, it's a tough pill to swallow. I agree. I like the spot. Colts outside to Buffalo in December, nothing to play for. They really could put up a dud here. I just worry about McCoy's workload. You know, I, I, I'm the only person that seems to have zero worry about his workload. Yeah. I, I, I wanted one of the backups to be out. I would have felt so much better, but you know, they both practiced in full by the end of the week. So like, ugh. yeah, I, I'm definitely file me under the nervous category, but I still like the play just more on DraftKings at 72 than 9K over on Fandle, which is half point PPR. All right, let's move on to the next take here. Uh, this is from the expert round table, or as uh, Alex likes to call it, the expert square table. Um, this one uh, coming up, if they, to talk about Kareem Hunt, a guy who, you know, has really busted it, it, as pr- a pretty popular chalk these last few weeks. This week he gets the Raiders, and they talk about whether to play Hunt or not. One guy we didn't mention is Kareem Hunt. Do expect Charkandrick West back from his personal issue for this game. Uh, even with Charkandrick out last week, we saw Kareem Hunt post uh, massive usage. Like he was on the field for 87 season high uh, percent of the snaps. Uh, still did not get it done in the box score. Another great matchup for him home against Oakland. As I mentioned, expect Charkandrick back. Um, any hope for Kareem Hunt at 6,500? Yeah, this is kind of like the Case Keenum thing and that I don't I don't see the need to take on this floor. I do think that the ceiling is there. Uh, I like Hunt. This is one of my two or three favorite games to game stack if you're going that route in tournaments. So it makes a lot of sense to get Hunt on a game stack in case this game shoots out, um, in case the Chiefs finally get some plays close to the goal line and get Hunt some touchdowns. Um, there are 27 running backs who have more carries inside the 10-yard line than Kareem Hunt has this year. So, you know, scoring opportunities have just been thin for him. That's the big issue. But 
he could certainly smash in his spot. It's just not the likeliest scenario. Yeah, Kareem Hunt's a guy that I have not been playing most of the season, and I've done. Obviously, it's been it's done me quite well the last half, midway ever since like week three. But I, I just don't have any confidence in the Raiders' passing game. I think the Chiefs could be playing from in front here. It could give them the workload. He, like, what's your interest level in Hunt at low ownership, low price, a game in which they're favored by a fair amount here? What's your interest level in Kareem Hunt? Uh, it's it's getting higher and higher throughout the week. I mean, people forget that he has, what, the third most rushing yards in the league. He's hasn't had a touchdown since week three. So he's in for some huge regression. Like, he's had the workload. He hasn't played as nearly as terrible as other people think. It's just mostly, like, he's in for some touchdown regression. It's that simple. Like, he's been getting volume in a lot of these spots. He's been a little bit inconsistent, but the dude still has upside. The dude is still talented. And this is a matchup against one of the worst defenses in the league where he can really do something with it. Um, if he's coming in at low ownership, this could be the week where he regresses back to a little bit closer to what he was at the beginning of the season. He hasn't gone off for a huge run or a huge reception since that week three. I think the longest one he had was 37 yards. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he does it here. This, kind of, this offense has been faltering. Last week they finally got back together. So I, I'm not going to be surprised in this spot. If they're ahead, if they're running the ball with him a lot, he goes off for a huge run at the end of the game, and he ends up crushing value at 6,500. Yeah, I'm with you. This is a guy throughout the week that I've been rising on too. I, the more I just realized that I don't like the Oakland offense, like they're just bad. They're just bad. Like no Cooper, like Carr has no offensive line. He's overrated as it is. Like the more I thought about this spot and like how this is a must win for the Chiefs, I just thought about how the Chiefs are going to show up in this spot. And I, I don't even mind the Chiefs DST in tournaments. I, I just really, really like this spot for the Chiefs to be out in front. And I, I just, the Oakland you know, D-line, is it's okay, but it's more of a pass-rushing line. It's more not really a great run-blocking or run-defending line. So, for me, it's a situation where I, I feel pretty good about Kareem Hunt in this spot, especially if he's going to be under 10% owned. Like, at 6,500 on a week where I don't think that running back is particularly deep, like, I think there's Gurley, McCoy, Hunt, Hyde, and then, like, there's this massive drop-off before you get to uh, Gio and Mike Davis, who we'll talk about in the last clip. So for me, it's, if like if Hunt's going to be so much less owned than those other guys, like it's a it's a position I think I really want to be overweight on this week, um, I, you know. And hey, maybe it burns me. Maybe he doesn't like regression doesn't happen the week you want it to happen. I mean, I, granted, I know the Julio Jones owners would say it does, but most of the time it doesn't. And uh, you know, I, I think the workload's going to be there this week. I just think that Jets game tur- was turned into a weird shootout. I don't see that happening here. I think it's gonna, he's going to get 20-plus carries in the spot. I feel pretty good about Kareem Hunt here as a nice GPP option and a guy that you can get pretty late over there on draft as well. He's a guy that has been following me in some six-mans uh, way farther than it should be. Yeah, Let's yeah, no, I've, I've, I have a lot of ownership in Hunt. He's, he was my – he's essentially my sixth-hour on draft uh, top-ranked running back just behind Fournette and the top four guys. Um so, and he, I think he's safer than a lot of people realize. Like, again, he's, he's – all he needs is a touchdown to pay off value pretty much every single week for the last month and a half. He's gotten 9, 10, 15 points since – like, realistically, he had two or three single-digit points in two of those. He hasn't had less than nine in almost any spot. Actually, he's had one spot 
since this entire season where he's gotten less than nine points. You get a touchdown added on any of those spots. He pretty close to pays off value. He doesn't kill your lineup. Uh, he has two touchdown upside. He could get more receiving work, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm a, I agree with you. Yeah, he's actually number five on my board. I just went and looked uh, over there on draft. You got him ahead of Fournette? I do. I don't like Fournette this week at all. Bold move, Kevin. We'll see who pays off. I, I really like the passing game. We're going to talk about that Seattle-Jacksonville game. That's going to be like, our four, that's gonna be like a, a seventh bonus take because we're going to talk about it. But first, we got to talk about the value of running backs. We kind of buried the lead this week. Uh, this came from the Sharp Football Analysis Show, my favorite show of the week. Uh, I actually haven't watched the whole thing yet, sadly. I, I got busy last night, but it's on the to-do list tonight. Uh, this week was Chris Gimino and Chris Raybon talking, and uh, Chris Raybon talks about Mike Davis as a pivot off of Gio Bernard. And you also had Mike Davis, the Seattle running back last week, put, a hun- put up a- over 100 yards against a Eagles defense that was ranked number one in schedule-adjusted fantasy points against running backs. The Jaguars are actually ranked 24th. Um, they-, they had a couple good games after Marcel Darius came to the team, but they've been up and down somewhat in run defense. So that's also something to, to, to look out for since Davis is pretty cheap across the industry as well. Yeah, Davis is your Gio Bernard pivot out there in tournament land if you're looking to get away uh, from the absolutely astronomically high-priced chalk, or I should say low-priced chalk. Well, this is a good spot to talk about the value running backs this week. Uh, Gio Bernard on DraftKings. I've actually heard people say that he's like a trap. Like, spoiler alert, when you're going to get 85% plus of the workload at 3.1K, you can't be a trap. Like, you can't be a trap unless I'm missing something, Grant. Like, I mean, like, GL's a lock, right? You just lock button and move on. Yeah, I mean, in the Miller Maker, you can absolutely justify not playing him. Like, absolutely justify. Like, anything could happen. He could get injured. Like, when you have a guy that's going to be 60% owned, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's 60% owned. There's a lot of situations where he only gets 10, and just because of the different lineup, uh, you can get a guy that's going to be way more valuable. But in cash, if you fade him, then you're an idiot. Yeah, like, if I was fading Gio, like, you can fade him. I guess, like, you're not fading him for Mike Davis, right? Like, like I, I, like Mike Davis is a nice nice player. He looks good. But, like, you're not feeding Gio for Mike Davis. You're, if you're feeding Gio, it's for Hunt McCoy or Gurley McCoy. Like, you're going to go to alternative ro- roster construction and maybe attack that 5K tier more, right? Like, that's how you're going to fade Gio if you're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you just look at Mixon's numbers by comparison, he's almost always putting up double-digit points, and Gio's going to be more involved in the offense than Mixon was because he's the only guy that's really out there. Plus, people forget that he's the third down back. He's a guy that can get a whole lot of targets out of the backfield. Like, he's a good receiving back, which on DraftKings just raises his floor so much. Um, there's not many scenarios where – Mike Davis out there goes, I'm not a Mike Davis guy. Like, I'm a Seahawks fan. I know how this running back situation will work. Literally since Thomas Rawls back in, what was it, 2014, they haven't had a consistent contributor week in and week out. Uh, there was pro side for a little bit, and everyone seemed to get injured, or Pete Carroll's just a dick and changes things. Like, there's no safety in Mike Davis that people seem to think. They're still probably going to mix in other guys because they just like to do that sometimes. So I'm not on Davis at all. I would take Gio 100% of the time. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Mike Davis. I, I think he's like a play on 10 mans on draft, but that's literally about it. It's like RB20. And I, but I wouldn't even feel confident on that. And like literally RB20, not RB19, like literally RB20. 
So you'd say you're a Seahawks fan. So tell me that I'm right that I think this game's going to shoot out this week. I just keep getting this feeling that it's a four o'clock game in Jacksonville. You know, it's not one of those West Coast East teams flying at 1 p.m. spot. Like this is a must-win game for the Seahawks. Like they're really good over the middle of the field where Jacksonville's weakest with Graham and Baldwin. Tell me I'm right that Seattle's going to win me a million dollars tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm not going to be surprised at all. Seahawks, like going against good defensive teams, like they they tend to do a lot better. They're a little bit more matchup proof. I mean, Jacksonville's great at getting after the quarterback, but guess what? Russell Wilson can get away from them. Uh, I'd say Wilson is really the safest and best play in that, and then you can figure out where you want to pair him with. Obviously, Baldwin and Graham are the two top spots, but Wilson's a guy that can go for 100 rushing yards if his guys aren't getting open. Like, he's been running the ball ridiculous amount this season, and it's not going to change. He's heavily involved in every aspect of his offense. So he's essentially matchup proof. He's too cheap. He's going to be low-owned. All sides point to him being a great GPP play this week. I'm going to have a – anytime I'm paying up for quarterback, he's the guy I'm going for. That's exactly what I wanted to hear, Grant. Like, I just have been on this spot all week. And, like, you run it back with D.D. Westbrook. We know the Seattle secondary is – like, I don't even hate playing Blake Bortles this week. Like, you could tell me to, like, to play Blake Bortles this week, and I could understand it. Like, I think the Seattle secondary, like, tell me if I'm wrong, but they're going to give up yards and chunks in this spot, right? Yeah, uh, what people don't seem to realize is Bortles isn't playing that terrible this year. He's been, I mean, a, he's been a laughing stock all year. If you go look at his box scores, like, what has the guy done to be a laughing stock this season? Like, I get it. Like, he's not, like, the world's best, but, like, how is he no different than, like, Derek Carr? Yeah, no, he played better than Derek Carr this year. He's averaging 16 fantasy points per game, and that's because a lot of games were blowouts and they didn't want to pass with them. But in games where they generally win and do well, they give the ball to – they haven't passed, what, 35-plus times on a regular basis. He's had 50 passes in one of the games this year. He's had multiple games of close to 40. Like, he's a guy that's – it's more about throwing high-percentage throws with him. And he's got multiple receiving options in both Lee – and D.D. Westbrook, where he can do that, going over against this beat-up Seattle defense, which, by the way, has gotten slaughtered by the last two good slot wide receivers they faced, Fitzgerald and Aguilar, who both put up 28-plus. Like, this is a spot where I think D.D. Westbrook crushes, and I could very easily see uh, Bortles put up 28 in this. I think you can use multiple – like, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if I go with Bortles if I'm going to run it back with Graham and then play two Jacksonville – wide receivers and Westbrook and Lee in the spot. Hope that they crush. Cause you like the over here. Huh? You like the over of 40 then by a fair amount. Oh, of course. I love that's just so ridiculously low. I get Jacksonville has a good defense, but Russell Westbrook will probably score 20 alone in the fourth quarter, which he has propensity to do. Jacksonville tends to get out to the lead early in a lot of different spots. So this just plays to be a higher scoring game, a close game. And for them to come from behind, like they always do. This is exactly what I wanted to hear. It's exactly what I wanted to hear. Like th- this has been the game. I've just I've had two games circled on my on my thing all week. I've had that San Fran Houston game, and I've had this one. I I really think this game has just been ignored. Like oh, it's Jacksonville. We're just going to ignore it. And that if there was an offense you were designed to beat Jacksonville, I think it would be the Seattle pa- offense. I really do. And this is just a must-win game for the Seahawks at eight and four. Like. They have at the Rams. I was looking at their schedule. Like, if they don't win this game, like, the playoffs are a long shot. Like, they need this game. This is a must-win football game for them. And this is what this is what winning teams do and top quarterbacks do. Like, anytime I can get, like, Russell Wilson on a slate with no Tom Brady, 
no Drew Brees, no Matt Ryan, and you're telling me that I'm going to get Russell Wilson at low ownership? Like, I have to do it. I have to do it. I want to say that they have a – I want to say it's a 90% win percentage against the spread in December over the last – it's pretty much since Wilson came in the league. They're a second-half season team. Like, the only time they've really done bad was last year when Westbrook or Wilson was still, like – he, he was nursing a lot of injuries throughout the entire season. He's in great form right now. He's healthy. Like, he's in some of the best shape he's been in. This is a spot where he's going to crush. And, I mean, realistically, we've seen these Seattle teams that just destroy – this is a situation similar to when they faced the 49ers in December a few years ago, and they were one of the best defenses in the leagues, and they just crushed them. They put up, like, 40 points. They can do it against any defense, even Jacksonville. Gosh, I love this spot more and more now. I'm talking about it more. When was the last time Russell Westbrook did not throw for? Or I'm sorry, Russell Westbrook. That's how I, that's how I feel about Russell Wilson this week. Basically, it's like this week. It's like he's the Russell Westbrook of DFS. Yeah, um, it doesn't help that he's playing Didi Westbrook. I'm gonna get that wrong so many times. <laughs> yeah. So when was the last time that Russell Wilson did not throw for two t- plus touchdowns? Do you know? I don't know. Week five against the and- Rams. Here's the total touchdowns responsible for three against the Eagles, three against San Fran, three against Atlanta, two against Arizona, two against Washington, four against Houston, three against the Giants. Like, I, I, I'm going to get that low owned? Yeah, like, you know he's going to be 100% involved in the offense. And he's going to have a high rushing floor. And a high rushing yeah, it's floor. it's Aaron Rodgers, but better rusher. Like, look at the teams with good pass rushes. Atlanta, he rushed for 86 and a score. Washington, rushed for 77. Like, if he gets kicked out of the pocket, okay, he's going to run. And we know that, like, for all the good – like, the Jacksonville linebackers, the middle of the field's the weak part. I just – more I talk about, I'm going to have – I just got to go with this spot. I, I just – I believe in it. Um, I'm glad you're the Seahawks. Like, I always like to have the local fan tell me I'm not nuts and they feel kind of the same way. Because like I feel like you know your local team the best. You just watched them all like for decades, and just I like this spot. I really like this spot a lot. Yeah, I've, I have a I basically have a local fan that plays DFS or bets on sports. That's a fan of every single team in the NFL. So I have my Chargers guy, my Broncos guy. I have all sorts of guys across every single team in the NFL, pretty much. And that's where I go for their take every single week. Yeah, and. Uh, Chat's not on board with us, which makes you feel even better. Love it. Well, yeah, Love I'd it. make a shotgun beer. It's, it's like you, it's but. like when people tell me that like, oh, the Eagles are going to win this game, and everyone likes the Eagles. It's just like, okay, I, that makes me feel much better about it. Like, clearly, if the Rams are favored and everyone likes the Eagles, like, great, sounds fun, um, for sure here. So, uh, uh, Grant, uh, I, I know back in our day, we we on shows we would uh, wager, we do wager units here on this show with Alex normally and. Alex is uh, – he needed the week off, man. He needed the week off because he's down like seven units at this point. But uh, we're going to wager a unit. And uh, if anyone knows our history, they'll know what a unit between us means. Uh, so you wanted to do RSJ versus Steven Anderson? Yes. Yes, I would love to do that. I will gladly, uh, I will gladly, gladly take that for one unit. Uh, I, I, I will gladly take uh, Steven Anderson in this spot. So uh, we've got 10 minutes. Um, we can either uh, talk about some more st- totals we like. We can see if Chad has any questions, although they're still tilting about 
NBA, Bradley Beal. So who in the hell knows how responsible they're going to be. So I'll give them a minute here. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, let's see. No, I already talked about McCoy. I mean, I'm just looking at my spreadsheet because, you know, I used to be. I hate AJ Greenshot. There is one more. AJ Green? You think, I hate AJ uh, Greenshot. I don't understand why AJ Green's chalk. Uh, because he got 18 targets last week. People naturally go immediately to the guy who gets the most targets the week before. That's why they're on Anderson. That's why they're on AJ Green. That's why consistently they're on Hopkins. It's just what happens. But I don't but look, think that there's this much need for this week. The Bears matchup is awful. The Bears are good. I mean, they also see the DVOA against wide receiver number ones. They're 28th in the league. I mean, all signs when you look at it just at first glance, uh, it points towards him having a big week. But, I mean, realistically, it's when you look further into be it. Slow. They're gonna run, both teams are going to run the ball a ton. I just – I don't see it. Like, that last game – last week's game against Cincinnati was different. Like, that was just like a shootout. I, I don't see that happening this week. Um, let's see here. Um, yeah, we haven't talked about defenses. Let's talk about defenses. Uh, and the guy in the Eagles avatar is giving me a hard time for my Rams take. I'm sure you're being very biased or very neutral there, uh, guy in the Eagles avatar. Um, let's talk about defenses because um, I don't like much of the chalk defenses either. This is one of the places that I am differentiating as well. Um, I don't mind the Chargers. I think they're my favorite of the chalk defenses. But, like, it's, I, I've seen that um, – I've seen Cousins go off and destroy good defenses before randomly. What's your thoughts on the Bengals? Uh, I just think that game is going to be too slow. Like, for when I play a defense, I want interceptions. I want pick sixes. I don't see a lot of that upside here. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, even though I love the Seahawks this week, it's another scenario where I like the Jaguars' defense. I mean, they're still one of the top defense in the league. It's not going to surprise me. If Russell Wilson's throwing the ball 50 times in one game, there's a decent chance that the Jags get a pick six or they put down four or five sacks. I mean, we've seen it happen to him multiple times this season where he gives up a whole lot of sacks and a few turnovers. And, like, there's a lot of scenarios in this where Russell Wilson puts up near 30 points and Jacksonville puts up 14. So I don't mind them too much. Honestly, I'm, I'm having a whole lot of trouble with defense this week and essentially waiting to put them in until the end and just going with whoever fits. All right. Well, I'll make a couple cases. How about that? We got some time. I'll, make, I'll, I'll pitch a few defenses to you that I kind of like. All right. The Bills – They've been dreadful. I, I completely acknowledge that. That's the Marcel Darius trade. But we've got a dome team that has nothing to play for flying to Buffalo in the middle, uh, middle of December in a game Buffalo needs the win to have any hope for the playoff picture. I like that spot a little bit. Yes, no, indifferent. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going against Indy. I mean, I already told you that I love McCoy, so yeah, it's a nice, nice little correlation there. play. Yeah, there you go. Um, the Broncos. I, I – so one team has Josh McCown and, like, no offensive weapons other than ASJ. You know, Robbie Anderson, like, he's not going to play, right? I think he got ruled that he was going to play today, but I'll double-check right now. I mean, either way, he's going to be limited. And it's like, okay, if I told you at the start of the beginning of the season that the Denver defense with all of its talent and still all on the field, basically, like, it's not like it's injury ravaged. Like, most of that talent's still there against a Josh McCown-led team in altitude would be – under 5% owned, would you have interest? Wait, are you saying interest in the Jets or interest in the Broncos? Broncos, at home. Yeah, I have some interest in it, but realistically, I'm one of those guys that's been high on Josh McCown all season long. I, I agree, but isn't this the letdown spot? Like, isn't this the Jetsy game to do? Like, oh, the Jets are in position to make the playoffs. The Jets are looking good. 
next thing you know, it's 28 to nothing at halftime in Denver. And you're like, what the hell just happened? I, I don't think so. I mean, the thing is that they line up pretty well against them. They have multiple running backs that are great receiving the ball out of the backfield. ASJ is a guy that can handle a large volume of targets and do very well with it. So, like, the two places where you're going to attack them in the passing game is going to be receiving running backs and tight ends. And guess what? Uh, New York has both those in spades. Okay, fine. You're not on the Denver team. How about Kansas City against Oakland? No Amari Cooper. Uh, Derek Carr has been overrated all season. You know, the Chiefs definitely are coming back off of a tough game against the Jets, but you like the Jets' offense. Are people going to forget that the Chiefs' defense at home is different than the Jets' def- or the Chiefs' defense on the road? Yeah, the problem is that Peters, who I don't think is that great of a cornerback, but he is a great fantasy cornerback and get a whole lot of interceptions. Um, yeah, I think that they could do something at 2,400, go playing at home. They're a defense that can gamble a whole lot and can put up huge amounts of fantasy points. And we saw what they, they've done in the past. Fitzpatrick, when they, he played him last year, I think he had, they had, what, six, seven interceptions in that game. They can do a whole lot from a fantasy perspective, even though they're not that great of an offense or a defense from a real-life perspective. So they, they gamble. They can, they can do some stuff against this Oakland offense that's just not great right now. They haven't, ha- they haven't faced any weak offenses at home, by the way, other than Denver. Look at this. Like Philly, that's a good offense. Washington, Pittsburgh, Denver, and they put up 18. The Buffalo game was kind of weird. I guess I'll credit them that one. But, like, still, like, it's not exactly like Kansas City has been facing these terrible so quarterbacks Buffalo, at home. Against- Buffalo, they turn – if Peter – or Peterman, whatever his name is, isn't in the offense, they have, I think, the – Without him in the offense, they have the highest turnover differential in the entire league outside of maybe Kansas City. So that's not a great play at home. Again, the last home game they had before that was Denver. They put up 20 points. Pittsburgh does not give up a whole lot of points to opposing defenses. Uh, Washington is kind of the same way. They still got nine there. Like, yeah, you're right. They've only had tough matchups at home this entire season from a defensive fantasy perspective. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I would agree with that as well. I'm sorry, my buddy just texted me uh, the fake Sports Center tweet with the Green Monster in left field with Giancarlo. That was that was pretty darn silly. I like that one. That was a really good laugh. You haven't seen it. Oh, by the way, anyone who's wondering in chat, I was not eating a burrito. I was eating a hot pocket. Grant really wanted to talk about hot pockets now for a solid like 20 minutes, and I've been like, nah, 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 nah. See, like questions in chat, like Tyreek Hill or AJ Green. For me, it's no doubt Tyreek Hill. He's had five long touchdowns against this Oakland defense in three games. And, like, we've been abusing them with long threats all season. Yeah, plus they kind of stack up. I mean, the, so Casey does not turn the ball over. Oakland does not get turnovers at all. So they're probably going to be on the field quite a bit and in decent field – or in decent field position a whole lot. So because of that, I mean, Hill's – Long touchdowns are negated to a very, very small amount, but his touchdown upside is bigger. Yeah, I just, yeah, it's just like they played the Raiders three times since he's been in five long touchdowns, and they've been all just like what you think they are just vertical, just blowing by the by the corners. So, um, I, I do like him. Uh, so, uh, we got a question, Grant. Finally, you can you get to answer the question what type of hot pocket? I'll, I'll give you the ham and cheese. Oh, it's so much better than pepperoni pizza, which are the two chalk hot pockets mostly coming about from when Costco would have the 12 packs. And the only two that they offered in a 12 pack were ham and cheese, pepperoni pizza. Used to be a pepperoni pizza guy, but as I've matured as a person, it's turned into ham and cheese. Plus, they have now the full chunks of ham in the hot pocket. 
uh, side of it. On the lean pocket side, they don't have the full chunks of ham. They have leaner, little deli meat style, but they actually use real cheese in there in order to bring down the fat and calorie count. They're not as good, especially the whole wheat crust. You don't take the healthier option with the lean pocket. You go with the hot pocket bread. Yeah, so uh, sounds great. That sounds like a perfect way to end the show. Grant, I appreciate you, buddy, uh, filling in on short notice uh, for uh, for Alex. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it, sitting here with a sink right next to me. <laughs> hey, at least it's not like the show where you had the tub and you jumped in the tub. <laughs> that, was a, that was a fun show. That was a fun time. Uh, so uh, half an hour until the NBA show with Bobby Fye and Kirk DC. Uh, for Grant, I'm the Siege. Thanks for watching, everyone, and we'll see you next week. See you, kids.